Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Disneyland Devoted. I am your host, Michelle, and I am so happy that you're here. I really, really appreciate you. So this week, we're going to continue our series on going land by land, and this week is going to be on Tomorrowland on the Disneyland side. But before we do that, I want to go through a few housekeeping items, some news, and a special shout out. So let's start with some housekeeping items. So I want to remind you that I love to hear from you. Please feel free to drop me a message or um, like a page that I have or anything like that that lets me know that you're out there. So for Instagram, it's Disneyland Devoted. For Facebook, it's Disneyland Devoted, as well as Patreon all Disneyland devoted. So from a Facebook perspective, I will post a a post of the week to start some conversation. So I hope that you will go to my Facebook page and give me your thoughts and opinions on that post. I will have the links in the description, so it should be pretty easy for you to navigate there. So don't forget to check out my pages. I really appreciate your support. I also want to talk about the news, but before I do that, I want to do a very special shout out to one of my special listeners, and his name is Jackson. And Jackson's mommy, Marin, hopefully I said that right, sent me a message to let me know that she and Jackson, who is three years old, listen to my podcasts, and I appreciate you both. Thank you so much. But Jackson, I understand that you get a big kick out of hearing my dog's collars jingle in the background, and I found that to be the cutest message ever. My dogs cannot help themselves. They like to squeak their toys or come in and scratch so that you can hear them, and I love that you hear them, Jackson. So, Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. Marin, thank you for reaching out to me. Jackson, I hope you have the best week ever. Okay, so with that, let's go ahead and move into some news. So I know we don't have details about Disneyland opening yet, but we have some details unfolding around Disney World. And I want to kind of talk through some of the things they're incorporating, because I think that may give us an idea of what we may expect from a Disneyland perspective. I'm assuming that Disney World is opening first because it is the largest, and then I think that a large... I'm speculating here, folks, but I think that because so many of the pass holders in California are locals, I think that drives a little bit too, and I think they want to see how things go when they open up Disney World. Plus, I mean, that's a that's a really big area, and they're losing money 
really, really rapidly. And I'm going to give them credit for doing things the right way, not the fast way, not the way just to make more money. I think they're really putting a lot of thought around how they're doing this. So just to kind of touch on some of the things that are different at Disney World, some we won't see at Disneyland because it doesn't apply, but some we will. So one thing, you've probably heard some of this already, but just to kind of touch on it, So they did go through, they, as in Disney, went through and canceled all the pending reservations for dining and fast passes over at Disney World. And if you aren't familiar with that process, you used to be able to book your uh, dining and fast pass reservations, like a limit, like two per day. Um, six months in advance if you were staying on property, which there's a lot of debate on whether or not that was fair or whatever, because that's, you know, that's six months in advance, where Disneyland does not do any fast passes in advance, and dining reservations were 60 days in advance. So it was quite a bit different over at Disney World. And, you know, part of that is because there's so many, and it's much bigger and has a lot of crowds. And so, That was a way for people to plan this big vacation a little further in advance and and just, you know, following all the conversations and podcasts and YouTube videos and things that I do, I know that you don't always get your first choice even six months in advance. I mean, some of those dining locations would sell out right away because they were such a big deal. And then when it comes to fast passes... It was the same situation, like some of those signature or really significant rides would, the fast passes wouldn't be available. And it's so, um, you know, the six months mark, six month mark, you may have success, but not always, maybe not always at the time. And so there was like a lot that went into that. And it was kind of like a game, if you will, to um, try to get those fast passes booked and whatnot. So Disney wiped those reservations clean and took all those away, canceled them. In addition to that, they canceled dining plans. And if you're familiar with that, we didn't have it on the Disneyland side, but they had tiers of dining plans that you could purchase in advance. So basically you could have all your meals paid for in advance based on the tier that you you wanted like it could be just like more like a quick service or snack tier so maybe you know a lot of that was paid for but you still plan to pay out of pocket maybe for some some sit down meals or maybe you never thought you were going to do that whatever the case may be um there was a, a kind of like a a low tier of that type of dining and then they had middle tiers and then they had like the supremo you could you know go to all the big expensive signature restaurants that's that's what they call those the real fine dining type establishments and there's like a whole process around the dining plan and some people really love it or they really hate it and so at any rate it was a really big selling feature for Disney and travel agents because people really liked that. They liked taking that planning out and just having their meals paid for and then they could just get there and, you know, go to the restaurant that they want to maybe on a whim and they can use their their points and their dining plan. And then because you paid for it in advance and it was a point system, maybe you would get the steak 
instead of the chicken because you've already prepaid for it and a pretty penny, I may add. So you you had the opportunity to buy or choose higher end options. Well, that dining plan system has gone away. So Disney really just kind of wiped that slate clean for Disney World, um, which I know is very disappointing to a lot of people. However, they really have to make these changes because one of the um, changes that are going into effect because they're reopening, and I should say Disney World is set to reopen on July 11th. And let me get the actual pieces because it is phased. So Disney World is four parks, which includes Magic Kingdom, which is most like Disneyland in the way that it has like Fantasyland and Tomorrowland and things like that. And then there's the Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and Epcot. And so what they're doing is opening the Magic Kingdom and the Animal Kingdom on July 11th, and then opening Hollywood Studios and Epcot on the 15th. Now, um, Animal Kingdom is, a lot of people love that because of the, um, well, because of the animals, um, but it also has like the world, um, like the Pandora world, which has like the avatar things. And so that's super popular. And then of course, like I just said, Magic Kingdom is most like Disneyland and really aims towards those younger kids. And then Epcot is, you know, your kind of world showcase where they have different pavilions from the, around the world. And they have, um, some rides over there too, some great attractions on that side. And then, um, Hollywood Studios is, also has a lot of great things, but it has um, Star Wars, uh, like Galaxy's Edge is over there. So, um, and one thing, if you're not familiar with Disney World, is the rides that you might find in Disneyland or California Adventure are not neatly tucked into one of those four theme parks. It's kind of spread out. Like you might find Soarin', I think is at Epcot, don't quote me. I think it's at Epcot. And you might find, um, you know, Toy Story over at Hollywood Studios. But like a lot of the things you would find at Disneyland or at Magic Kingdom. But then some of the things over at Animal Kingdom. So you really have to kind of look at the whole thing. So my point is they are opening in phases. They did away from dining. They canceled reservations for any dining reservations and any fast passes. And then, of course, they're going to reduce the capacity. Now, they don't tell us specifically what that capacity is going to be reduced to, just that they are reducing the number of people who can go into the park so that they can do all those safe things that are recommended. Extra cleaning, you know, distancing, like six feet type, six foot type distancing. Um, I do understand like when people get off an attraction, it's going to be wiped down. Um, It looks as though they're going to go into a virtual queuing perspective. So you would, uh, you know, enter your weight through the app or through your magic band instead of standing in line. But one of the big things I find very interesting that I do think we may see over at the Disneyland side is they are introducing reservations to get into Disney World. And they're actually opening up those reservations to pass holders first. And so I want to get the exact wording. It's a new theme park reservation system that will require all guests to attain a reservation for park entry in advance. 
At this time, we are temporarily pausing new ticket sales um, and Disney Resort hotel reservations so we can focus on guests with existing tickets and reservations. Existing ticket holders and annual pass holders will be able to make reservation requests in phases before new tickets are sold. So I find that very interesting. So if you already had a reservation to stay on property, they're still going to honor that reservation, just they aren't opening up to new reservations. And they are opening up the park for that reservation system to those folks as well. So I think I said this in my last podcast, I wasn't really sure how they were going to do this. And it sounds like if you already had a reservation, you're in. If you didn't have a reservation, you have to go through the reservation system. And it doesn't really talk about the details of what that means or what the process is. So it looks like we're going to find out more information as we get closer, but that is something I fully expect on the Disneyland side. I would expect reservations to get into either park. I would res- I would expect that if you didn't have a reservation already that they will not take new reservations and I think pass holders may get annual pass holders may get the first crack at that and then the rest of us would follow after that. Now I'm hoping that the reservation system is uh, truly something that's online and you don't have to wait in line. I mean, I can't imagine that they would open that up since we're trying to keep some social distancing. So I do think that it would be something that we would want to get up at the crack of dawn to try to get a reservation for a particular day. And I would just say that chances are you really are going to have to be patient and flexible. So it sounds to me that if you really wanted to go on a particular day, you are really taking the risk that you may not be able to get in on that day. And you want want to be flexible that if I can't go on this day, I can try for this day or for that day. I don't know how crowded it's going to be. It's hard to gauge right now if we're going to see a large amount of people trying to get in to Disney World when it opens on July 11th or if the majority is going to stay away. Um, I am really anxious to see that because I do kind of think that there's a lot of people that are chomping at the bit. I am definitely one of them. But as I've mentioned before, I don't necessarily want to be the first person back in the park. I just want to get back there as soon as possible. But I think there's a lot of people who are either local to the area or just diehards that really want to get there because they like being like in that novelty of being, you know, the first into something. And from a Disneyland perspective, as I mentioned, the annual pass holders are, you know, very much local people. And so it'll be interesting to see how that looks when we finally get some information about opening Uh, Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. So be watching for those updates as we get closer to the opening of Disney World and kind of getting a feel for the processes they're going to put in place, which will give us a hint as to what Disneyland is going to be like. Plus, I'm anxious to get some news about Disneyland if they, you know, could tell us some dates or whatnot. So more to come there. All right, now it's time to get into 
the main reason for this week's episode, which is on continuing the series of diving deeper and looking closer at the lands within the theme parks. And this week, we're going to talk about Tomorrowland inside Disneyland. Now, Tomorrowland is a very special land for many reasons. So just to kind of place it in the map, like we do for every other land, if you're starting at the hub, which again is if you go through the main gates, you go through Main Street, you walk up Main Street, and you go to that center circle that has Walt and Mickey Mouse, that is called the hub. And from the hub are the walkways to all the different lands and places that you can go to uh, around Disneyland. From the hub, if you're looking at Walt and Mickey and the castle is behind them, to your right is Tomorrowland. And the first thing that you can see in Tomorrowland is the Astro Orbiters attraction. It's like a long space-like pole and it has rocket ships coming out, kind of like the Dumbo ride, but it's rocket ships instead of elephants. And it's going around in a circle and those rocket ships can go up and down and you can control that. It's very similar to Dumbo. And so that's kind of like right there in the center of that main entry into Tomorrowland. There are other ways to enter Tomorrowland, but from the hub, that's the main one. Slightly to the right of that Astro Orbiters is the Plaza Inn, which is technically part of Main Street, but it's right there into the entrance of Tomorrowland. There's also um, the nurses station is right there. There, right next to the Plaza Inn. There's um, a, a delicious corn dog cart. It's kind of like all right there. But then that main entrance to Tomorrowland is there. That's also a huge, huge bottleneck of congestion right there. Now, just before the parks temporarily closed because of COVID, they were widening that entrance into Tomorrowland. I personally haven't been there since it's been done, but I've seen pictures and they did kind of widen it a bit. Also, if you were walking into Tomorrowland and to slightly to your left is Pixie Hollow where Tink lives. So it's kind of sandwiched between Plaza Inn and Pixie Hollow. So anyways, when you walk through the through Tomorrowland and you get past Astro Orbiters, to your left, you'll find the Buzz Lightyear um, Astro Blasters, which is one of my personal favorite attractions there. I just absolutely love that one because I find it a little less turbulent than its sister, which is the Toy Story Mania over at Pixar Pier on the Disney California Adventure side. The um, the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters is the same concept in that you are given a laser gun to shoot at targets as you go through the attraction. The difference with this one is it's on a track and it doesn't you know, flip and not that you flip, but it doesn't twist and turn like that and take you from this like spin over here and then they take you over to the right and then take you over to the left. It's not quite as turbulent. It's 
virtually just kind of like on a track that takes you meandering through the obstacle course of targets. Now you can turn your car, you can turn it to the left or to the right. And so you can shoot, you know, aim at targets on your left, aim at targets on your right, aim high, aim low. There's special areas where they're worth more. There's a lot going on. It's definitely keeping score. So it's a very competitive type attraction. It's kind of loud in there. A lot of, you know, like you're on, um, you're, you know, with Buzz Lightyear on and you're like, there's all kinds of like space things going on. And this dude's name is escaping me. Um, uh, Emperor Zerg, that's who it is. He's in there and he's worth a lot of points and he's like talks. And so that's kind of, it's all basically around like the Buzz Lightyear type part of Toy Story and the you know those little um, green aliens are in there so there's a lot of fun stuff in there so definitely uh, one of my favorites and then at the end of that attraction you get to see like these computer monitors with your picture that they took during the ride and it kind of has you floating in a spaceship with like you're out in space on your in your little rocket and it's so it's like really cool and you can send it directly to your email and then you have that little keepsake but kind of a cool part although strange I know some people don't like it is when you exit that attraction, you can go, well, it could feed you right into this um, souvenir shop, which you, I've learned that you can go around it, but you have to really kind of figure out how to do that. But basically, it kind of dumps you through a souvenir shop, as do a lot of attractions. But that souvenir shop is really cool. It has a whole bunch of of Toy Story merchandise, which is cool in and of itself, but it has a wall of a lot of pins. And I am a recent pin collector and trader, and I really have a lot of fun doing it. I, like I said, I'm new to it. I when we, um, I just started doing it in the last couple of years, and I really enjoy doing it. And so there's a lot of cool pins in there of all different kinds. That's a lot of fun. And it just has some really cool merchandise. So definitely check that souvenir shop out. Even if you don't go through the ride, of course, you can enter it through the main breezeway. Um, to, to enter in there, like the main breezeway of Tomorrowland, you could just pop right into that shop. You don't have to necessarily go through that attraction. Now, something about that attraction is it was a pretty popular one and it does have fast pass. So that's one you want to hit first thing in the morning or use a fast pass for because it does get kind of lengthy. And it's the entrance onto the attraction is that conveyor belt approach where the cars really don't slow down all that much you kind of enter onto the the cars which are shaped like rocket ships um as you know as it's moving and I should say that your laser gun is stationary you can't pick it up and and move it like you can Toy Story Mania but you can move it all around in its holder on this rocket ship but I will say and I will do an episode on this I um my mom went to uh, Disneyland with us um, probably about a year ago now and she is uh, she needs a wheelchair to get around the park she got one of those electric scooters actually we rented it from Disneyland and it was so cool and enlightening to see how 
they handle folks who have those needs to get in and out of the attractions. And it was like a completely different experience. And the things that they do were really, really cool. And so I'll do an episode on that. So if you have anyone who, you know, isn't able to necessarily walk onto rides like everyone else is in a wheelchair or in a scooter, or if somebody is going and they broke their leg and they just need special um, accommodations, I'll give you my experience and feedback on how it was for us. So moving on past the Astro Blasters there. So if you didn't go to the left, um, on your right hand side is Star Tours. And so that's like right at the entrance of Tomorrowland. And if you aren't familiar with that, it is a Star Wars theme simulation ride and it's called Star Tours The Adventures Continue. So that is a very popular attraction. It has very long wait times and it's also a fast pass option. And so um, if you're into that, then there's that attraction. Me personally, I do not do simulation. I rode this attraction years ago and had to close my eyes through it. Most of the time, my husband and daughter braved it for the first time about a year ago. And to this day, they still talk about how it made them sick. (laughs) Um, We're just not simulation ride people. Some people can handle that and it's great. Um, A lot of people I know just have a hard time with that. And so that is not my favorite. But if you can handle simulation rides and you're a Star Wars fan, that may be the perfect attraction for you. So walk down a little bit further and you get to the galactic grill on the left hand side, right past that souvenir shop that I was referring to for um, the uh, Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. And that galactic grill used to be called Tomorrowland Terrace for any of those that remember that. But that is one of our favorite places to eat. And the reason we like it is it has a very simple food. We don't always eat there is like, okay, we're going to go have lunch and let's go to the Galactic Grill unless we're in Tomorrowland and it's right there. But it's a great place for a snack. It's a great in-between. It is a good place for lunch, don't get me wrong. It has hamburgers and hot dogs and chicken nuggets but you know they have fun um twists on them um because it has kind of a star wars feel to it um it has just a lot of variety drinks desserts things like that but that sit down area is so awesome for one thing there's a ton of seating so if you just need a break and there's a lot of it is shaded and you want a place to sit and maybe you are going to grab food at a cart nearby like a churro or another snack and you just want to sit down for a little bit there's a ton of seating but there's also a stage right there And that stage does a lot of things. Over the years, it's been a lot of things. They used to do Jedi training for younger kids that you could do Jedi master training and you would spar against, you know, one of the Star Wars characters. That was really cool. They do dance-offs there. They do kids' parties there. There's characters there a lot. So there's like a stage and there's like a dance floor area and it's all in the same area. So there's usually some sort of entertainment going on right there so that's another reason why we usually go over there kind of see what's going on take a break but as an added little bonus or a little tip 
this is a really great spot to watch the fireworks because if you sit down there, most people are not there. Most people are, you know, over by the hub and watching it over the castle. And so it's very crowded over there, but it's not crowded right here. So we've sat down and watched the fireworks multiple times. You don't necessarily hear the sounds, but you see the fireworks beautifully because they're right there. They go up really high. It's just such a great place. So watch. If you get a chance, if you're in the area and you just want to take a moment and watch the fireworks, there's a suggestion or if you want to be away from the crowds. So also right there is you'll see and you may not even notice it, but as you're walking up Tomorrowland towards the Galactic Grill, right in the center, um, right by the Galactic Grill is this weird cool space looking monument it has been a lot of things over the years it used to be part of the original people movers ride so it's raised up high and as you're walking through tomorrowland if you look up you'll see like it's hard to tell from the ground level, but that's where the track of the people movers was. And it went into the building for um, Space Mountain, which we're going to get to in a moment. And it went around on this area where this little space monument is. There was also like, I think there was an eating place up there at one point, but right now it's still a cool thing to look at. It's colorful music comes out of it it's a really cool thing right there in the center by the galactic grill you cannot miss it it's really cool um and then straight keep going straight and you'll run into star wars launch bay which is in that giant building right in front of you You can't miss that it has that triangle shaped like um decorative item on the building it's got a couple of it has like you walk up these stairs and then you go right into a ramp that leads you to the first floor and then there's ramps that lead up to the second floor that you can't go to anymore but the first ramp will take you right into launch bay and that's really kind of like a museum for star wars fans it has a whole bunch of cool merchandise but it also has you know, costumes and headgear and lightsabers and masks and stormtrooper stuff. So like you can walk around and kind of, like I said, it's like a museum. You can just kind of take in some Star Wars history. And then that is where you can meet some characters like Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, Chewbacca, Yoda. There's people you can meet there. So that is, I have to be honest, I don't know what's going to come of that now that Galaxy's Edge is open. So once we go back to BAU, I don't know if Launch Base stays there forever or if it moves over. I know that Tomorrowland was the temporary home for Star Wars while Galaxy's Edge was coming up, but now we have Galaxy's Edge, so I'm not sure what the plan is. Um, fun little story about uh, Launch Bay. So it was new to us a couple years back. It was new in general. And so we go in there not really knowing what to expect, not really paying attention. And it's a big building. And like I said, you don't go up to the second floor. So I didn't really know that at the moment. I just know we walked in with the crowd. It's also got limited hours. Like maybe it's like 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's not open the entire time the park is open. So anyways, we walk in, we're walking around, reading all the stuff like, oh, look, this was in Star Wars. Oh, look at these stormtroopers. You know, like the costumes. We're taking pictures of this and that. And then I saw people standing in line and they were kind of being ushered in. 
in um, like small groups. I just assumed it was a ride. We wasn't really paying attention, kind of didn't see the signage, didn't know what we were doing, weren't really socializing with the people in line, and it wasn't a long line at all, so we didn't wait very long. It was just my husband and me kind of didn't know what we were doing. And next thing I know, it's our turn, and lo and behold, we were in line to meet Darth Vader. And I have to say, like, I was starstruck and I was really at a loss for words and somewhat intimidated. I mean, he's a big dude. Like, he's got a giant physique. He's kind of a foreboding presence with his mask and the the breathing and all of that. I kind of went just like paused. I didn't know what to do. And he's very serious. There's no like when you meet Mickey Mouse and you hug Mickey Mouse. Yeah, no, no, no. He's like questioning you. He's very serious. He pauses for a, a picture, but he's Darth Vader all day long. So that was a cool and unexpected experience so just FYI I know Kylo Ren's in there and same thing he's I've heard people talk about it same experience it's a completely different type of character interaction it is not the same as meeting a cute little Minnie or Mickey now if you have small kids I'm gonna believe that you know there's a little bit of a different experience but as an older kid or an adult (laughs) That's a character for sure. So anyway, so that's the um, Star Wars launch bay. Now in that very building, not inside where launch bay is, but one of the ramps. So you enter, to kind of paint this picture, when you're walking into Tomorrowland, there's that monument that I was referring to. I don't know what to call it, a statue, a a multi-tiered thing that used to have the people movers, whatever you call that beautiful piece of art that's right there in the middle. On the other side of that is the entrance into uh, Launch Bay. But to the right a little bit is another walkway and a ramp that leads up to the to uh, the second story. This building used to be Innoventions. And before that, it was like something else when I was a kid. There was like, you'd go into this big auditorium and you'd watch a show and then the stage would move or maybe it was the the chairs, like the, the seating would move and rotate and you'd go on to another show. So it's been things over years. Then it was Innoventions, which was kind of like a futuristic look at things like what houses may look like in the future. And, you know, new high-tech technology and fun stuff like that and then it turned into launch bay but they really only used a portion of the building so one of the things that we did that is to the right there that you could use was skyline lounge and that was a dining experience a dessert experience and what it is is for a fixed fee which um, I don't even know what that fee is right now and if they still have it you would pay, I want to say, I'm going to look it up really quick. Okay, it's $35 for ages 3 to 9 and $59 for older than 9. And it's a dessert box. And you would go there, you'd like to check in around 7 o'clock when we did it. And then you got a pass to go up to the second Uh, floor balcony you didn't go into the actual building it was like this patio area and you got all 
the drinks that you wanted, like non-alcoholic tea, coffee, soda, things like that. Um, they had hot chocolate up there. And then when we went, it was in a colder month. So that really <laughs> was very nice. And um, I had done some research and found that people found it to be very cold up there because you were high and you're kind of, like I said, you're on this patio area. And you check in at seven. And then the point of this, besides getting this delicious box, which I'll talk about in a second, of desserts, the goal is that you get to be there from like 7 to 10, and you can come and go as you please once you check in, but you want to be up there on this patio to get an elevated view of the fireworks. So like I mentioned a couple minutes ago at Galactic Grill, you're sitting down, you know, at the ground level, and you're sitting at their tables, and you can watch the the fireworks because the castle is not that very far from there. But here at Skyline Lounge, you're elevated above that. And so you have like an unobstructed view of the fireworks. Plus, you just get this beautiful panoramic view of the park. And so it's really cool up there. And this box was full of mostly sweet, a couple savory. Like there was like a little bit of cheese and grapes and crackers. I know grapes are not savory, but it was kind of like a little cheese, a mini cheese plate. But they had like a whole variety of pastry and like things that you would find like Mickey treats. Like there was like a, their version of a zinger, their version of a Twinkie, like those kinds of things. I mean, they were really sweet, but it was such a great fun little box. Each person got their own. So you had like, and they were like a bento box. It was like little compartments with all these fun items in there. And then you watch the fireworks. And like I said, when we went, it was cold. So they had, they came around with blankets. So, and we definitely used them because it was a little chilly. And then, because we did it in the fall time, and then Minnie or Mickey or both may come up. I've seen different videos on YouTube where people may get both. We got Minnie, and she comes around, and she visits, and they have like tables where you can play games, and they have charging stations. It's just like a really cool lounge, hence the name, that you can hang out, and you have an exclusive um, entrance to, and you get these, um, desserts and then all you can drink beverages. And like I said, you can come and go. So I would recommend the Skyline, Skyline Lounge. We truly, truly enjoyed that. It was a unique thing. Would we do it again? I'm not sure. Not because we didn't like it, but because we did it. And there's so many other things that we need to try and experience. But like I said in a previous episode, I'm a huge fan of any sort of dining package or dessert party or anything because it's a unique experience. It's different. And you usually get something that you can't get elsewhere. $59 a person is pricey, but when I look back at it, I don't even focus on the price. I focus on the memory. So just keep that in mind. That was very good for us. Okay, so back at, where I'm going to keep calling it that monument thing in the center. I had kind of told you to the left was Galactic Grill. Straight ahead was the um, launch bay. And then in that same building to the right is where you would go for Skyline Lounge. But then to the other, a little further to the right is the uh, Pizza Planet, which is a big giant pizza um, dining location. It has pasta and salads and pizza and things like that. Um, and it's now it's called Pizza Planet. It was called something different before, something with pizza in it, but now it's got a Toy Story spin to it, and it's got a lot of desserts in there. It's got those alien desserts, like macarons, but they're like shaped like the 
they look and are shaped like the aliens from Toy Story. That pizza place, <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with that dining location. For years, we'd go and try it and be like, oh my gosh, I cannot stand this. <laughs> like, why do we do this? It's pricey. We didn't feel the food was very good. We went there. We gave it another shot um, probably about a year ago now. And it wasn't as terrible, but it still wasn't my favorite. It is a really great place for younger kids. Pizza is a really easy option. There's like simple things such as... Um, like chicken Alfredo or just like regular Alfredo with no chicken in it. There's um, obviously pizza. There's just like some simple, easy Italian type quick service items. And then there's, you know, salads, like more advanced salads for maybe a more advanced palate. Um, But it's still pretty pricey. It's kind of cafeteria style, like you walk around with a tray and you can just pick up the things that you want. At least that's the way it was before. And then you would go up to the counter and you'd purchase it. I still find it pretty pricey. It's not high in my list of a repeat. It fits the bill. It'll work if you need to get something to eat. It's not terrible. It's just not my favorite. And then right next to that is one of the most popular attractions in all of Tomorrowland, Space Mountain. Um, Now, Space Mountain is a classic. It's been around forever. It has a couple of different overlays, right? It's got the original Space Mountain, and then it's got Ghost Galaxy, which is the um, one at uh, Halloween time. And then it's got the... um, hyperspace mountain that's the one that i was trying to think of the name and that's the star wars theme so something about space mountain is it's in the dark the uh it's a roller coaster and you're in kind of a rocket seems to be a very popular theme there in tomorrowland and you go on a track And there's a lot of real estate around you in the way of screens and lights and sound effects. And the car that you sit in has like speakers behind your head. So it's like loud and it just like adds to the experience. And um, so there's like those overlays that come and go throughout the year. So if you are a Space Mountain fan or you like roller coasters, you definitely want to try the different overlays. So you kind of get an idea of the different theming. The thing about Space Mountain that's interesting is it's designed to make you think you're going faster than you're really going. It's not a fast roller coaster. In fact, I think I heard it's 35 miles per hour, which in roller co- roller coaster speak is not super fast. But because of the lighting and the way the lights move that make you feel like you're going faster and like wind in your hair, it gives you the impression you're going much faster than you are, which of course just adds to the experience. I have ridden... Space Mountain many times over the years. It is, um, it's not on my top five list by any stretch, but it is a classic. I totally respect and recognize it. I have enjoyed when I have ridden it. Um, I just don't gravitate towards Space Mountain, but many people love it. And that is a classic Tomorrowland attraction. So also right there by Space Mountain is another gift shop. There's a souvenir shop there that's very Star Wars centric. There's a restroom hidden back there. That's extremely, extremely important. There's also a theater right there by Space Mountain. And um, they will show different movies there um, or different like shorts. You know, Disney does that a lot in their different 
theaters throughout both Disneyland and California Adventure. It's kind of like the the short of the movie of the month or season. It's called the Tomorrowland Theater. So I would definitely check that out when you're planning a trip because we've seen we've seen some great things in there. We thought were great. Um, like we saw Path to a Jedi, which was kind of like a. a a montage of all of the like clips from the different Star Wars movies and it was just really cool it had like Luke Skywalker was in there a lot and some of the different characters and we just really liked it it was like 20 minutes it's a nice place to take a break and be entertained and it's a really cool theater so definitely check that out okay so I kind of talked about that whole section now right in front of the space mountain sign and in front of tomorrowland theater and in front of alien pizza planet is this really cool feature that my daughter goes crazy for and it's a giant marble ball fountain so the ball has water coming out and over it and the ball moves like in its base and so kids are always trying to move it one side or the other I have a very strong suspicion that 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 will not be there anymore because they're all kind of touching it Um, but it was a really cool thing for kids to try to move the ball in different directions and they would get kind of wet and get splashed but it was just a way to to allow them to be entertained for a couple of minutes. There was like seating right there for families to watch. And so you can spend like, you know, a few minutes just kind of playing with that big water ball. Um, I don't know if it'll be there. Maybe it'll come back someday, but it was a lot of fun. Okay, so back at Launch Bay, instead of going to the right and looking at all the things that I just talked about, we're going to go to the left. And right past launch bay is Autopia, which that is the famous, been there forever, little indie cars that you can ride around the track and you can drive yourself, you control the gas and the steering to a degree. It's on a track. You can only turn left or right so much, but it's a really cool, fun track and it goes up and over and in this beautiful landscaping and down little hills and around corners and It's a really cool attraction. It is also a very popular attraction. It has long, long wait times. So you definitely want to hit that first thing late at night or use your fast pass for it. Um, The thing about the cars, so from a little kid perspective, there is a height limit to drive. Um, But even if you hit the height, and my daughter's pretty tall, they don't necessarily have the ability to reach the gas pedal. So they put the gas, they put a gas pedal on the same side as the steering wheel, but they also put um, they put them like in the middle, I take that back. So like parents can can control the gas or the brake. You are not allowed to slam. It's not bumper cars. So you can't run into other people and they will get very mad at you if you do. So you do have to have somebody controlling that. But younger kids can steer. And like I said, it's still on a track. So you only can turn the car to the left or to the right so much. And I will tell you that as a parent who's done this with two kids, that is a little jarring because they 
sharply turn the steering wheel to the left and it bumps into the track. And then they sharply turn the steering wheel to the right and it kind of crashes into the track. So going back and forth, which is what they end up doing, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you're hitting the track. And so it's kind of a little jarring. But as a general rule, especially if they get older, it's like this really cool way for them to control, feel like they have control and they get to actually have this interactive experience and you take it along the track and it's kind of a long ride. It feels like it's a good 10 minutes from start to finish, which after you've waited, like you really want to feel like you got a chance to experience something and that ride delivers in that perspective. The other thing about that attraction is it's just as cool at night. It has a lot of lighting in there and the landscaping is beautiful and I didn't we didn't do this on purpose but we did it nonetheless we were on that attraction during the fireworks one time and the way that the path kind of you know meanders through the landscaping we had the most amazing views of the fireworks so that was such a cool thing so much so that I would do that, I would try to orchestrate that again, just to be able to be on the attraction during the fireworks show. I don't know that we'd be able to do that because what were the chances that we would have gotten through the ride and on there? But at that time of night, it was like nine o'clock at night. It may have even been 10. Like, I think it was like 9.15. Um, there wasn't a ton of people in, on the Autopia ride. Most people were either exiting the park or watching the fireworks. And so we were able to kind of almost walk on the attraction and then be on the track during the fireworks. That was a great experience. So definitely check that one out. Now, the the waiting, the queue at the time was, wasn't covered a lot. So it's kind of a warm ride. And much like I mentioned the Matterhorn in the previous episode, Oh, those are kind of compact cars and low to the ground. So getting um, out of them is not necessarily um, the most graceful thing you may do. It takes a lot of lower body strength to hoist yourself out of those cars. But Autopia is a classic and we love it. Now, right next to Autopia are two other attractions that are really awesome the monorail and yes they do consider that an attraction and then finding nemo submarine so let's talk about the monorail at first so the thing about the monorail is what a wonderful way to see an elevated and different perspective of the park it is so cool plus it takes you by um california adventure and downtown disney so you get that view as well and it's a cool air conditioned or heated car. It has a great view. There is, um, if you go to that, there's only two stations, right? There's the Tomorrowland station and then there's the downtown Disney station. And you can enter into Disneyland through the downtown Disney station. You just have to show your ticket there. Um, or of course at Tomorrowland. And you can go back and forth. Like if you want to go to downtown Disney, you can jump on the Tomorrowland station, then get off at the downtown Disney station or vice versa. Or you can take the full loop around the park, which we most of the time do. But there's a there's a special like car in the front and a special car in the back. And you can ask to be in line to get in either one of those cars. And they have a different perspective because they're like I said, in the front or in the back. The front is really cool because it's domed, as you as you know, kind of tapers the monorail. And so you get to sit in this like circular bench seat and the glass is this pretty blue. So it just sets the, the view to be different than what you're used to. And at night, it's even cooler. 
but it's popular. So you may have to wait a couple of turns to get into those cars. We have never had to wait, but we've been in there at the Tomorrowland station, got over to the downtown Disney station and there was a family waiting. And since we were not exiting, they had to wait for the next car. So just keep that in mind, but it's worth the wait. It's like a a different way to experience the monorail and a different way to see the parks. Plus, like I said, you're elevated and it like there's a narrator, like a, a person who's kind of telling you a little bit about the monorail's history and and telling you where you're going as you're kind of, you know, traveling through the park. And then, like I said, by downtown Disney and California Adventure. So it's kind of telling you a little bit about that. But if you if you happen to do it during like a parade or something, you get that elevated um, perspective. So it's just really cool. The monorail is something that doesn't have a fast pass, but you can certainly monitor its wait times. I recommend taking the monorail around just to experience that and then try those extra special cars at some point, the front or the back. The next to that is the Finding Nemo submarine ride. And let me tell you a little bit about that one. So that has been like before, I think it was 2000 Leagues Under the Sea submarine ride years ago. And then for years that lagoon that the that the submarine ride is in was just like empty like there, it was just like this beautiful landmark and it was scenic but there was no ride and then they brought the Finding Nemo submarine ride so here's the thing about a submarine ride I experienced a bout with claustrophobia when I got stuck in an elevator at work and it like changed my life right I had anxiety that I didn't have before you know total total fear of small spaces and before that I would ride the submarine ride and be a little leery anyway but then after that I was like oh forget about it however (laughs) this has just been my experience okay so I'm just going to tell you from my perspective I went on this attraction because my daughter wanted to go. And like I said, I was nervous that I wasn't going to be able to handle it. And they closed the hatch and it was the most relaxing ride ever. I sat there. Each seat has a porthole that goes into the the scenery of the attraction. And we have like, you know, the sound effects from the, the Nemo attraction and what's going on. And they play like music. So it's kind of relaxing and it's very temperature controlled in there so it's not hot at all it's not cold it's a great place to get out of the elements I really enjoyed it then I rode it one time with my daughter um, a couple years later and we were the first people in line never 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 be the first people for that wave of passengers because what happens is you go down a spiral staircase and it's two rows of those seats and I'm gonna guess there's like 20 people on each side but when you're the first you have to go all the way to the end and basically you're going to the other spiral staircase where another set of people are coming for the other row and they're coming in and they're passing you and going to the other direction but you're in the corner like basically under that spiral staircase and oh my gosh was it claustrophobic and even my daughter who's not claustrophobic was having a hard time with it that was not my favorite ride that day I could not focus on the attraction it was updated because of finding Dory and I just couldn't concentrate I did not enjoy that experience I would never be the first in line for a wave again I would let people go in front of me 
Then one time I was at the park and I was by myself that day and I was not going to let this ride beat me because I know how special and cute and darling and relaxing it can be. And I just wanted to, to make myself do it. So I went back to the attraction knowing that I was not going to be the first person. And it was really, like I said, if it fits 20 people, maybe there was 10 to 15 of us. I was right in the middle of the road, in the middle of the pack, if you will. And that was amazing. It was so relaxing. It was so cool. I enjoyed every second. It's like a 15 minute ride. And if you're not comfortable, 15 minutes feels like 15 hours. But I was so relaxed in that attraction. I had the best experience. So what did I take away from that? I will do it first thing in the morning. I will never be the first person in the wave getting on that ride. And if I can do those two things, where it's maybe not as crowded, or maybe late at night too, where it's not as crowded, and I'm not first, it's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Even if you don't like to ride the attraction, and I totally respect if you wouldn't, I highly recommend that you just hang out by that lagoon right there and watch the attraction. It's beautiful. The submarines going by ever so slowly. There's waterfalls, the monorail above your head, the Matterhorn over here. So the sounds and the vision of the Matterhorn. That is such an amazing area right there. Autopia, just I love that courtyard area. I could sit at Galactic Grill and just watch that whole area right there for an hour and be totally content. Love it. Now, right there by Autopia is the Tomorrowland's train station. So if you wanted to leave from there or come to Tomorrowland, it's really conveniently located. You can just get there from the train station and then you exit right by Autopia. You just keep walking past Autopia and there's everything. The Galactic Grill, the Launch Bay, Space Mountain to your left, Finding Nemo to your right. It's like such a cool place. There's also some souvenir shops right there. The restrooms are right there. It's a really cool train station. So that is a lot going on over there. So with that, I think I covered everything in Tomorrowland. The only other thing I'm going to say is if you were looking at, um, if you went past the launch bay, you went to your left and you went straight ahead and you see the Finding Nemo ride straight ahead, Autopia to the right, as well as the train station. If you go to the left instead, you're going to walk into the Matterhorn, which is part of Fantasyland, like I've mentioned before, although in my opinion, it sits right in Tomorrowland, but that's neither here nor there. And you can go around the Matterhorn either way. You can go to the left side of the Matterhorn and it'll take you out towards the hub and the castle, or you can go to the right side of the Matterhorn, which will take you into Fantasyland or go towards It's a Small World. Also, if you go to the right, like if you're looking at the Matterhorn and you hang a right and the lagoon is on your right, again, pause and take pictures. It's amazing. But if you keep walking, you're going to come to the track of Autopia. So there's another fun like photo op and way to take a break right there. You can watch the people driving by and the indie cars. The scenery is awesome. There's a lot of shaded areas over there if you just want to take a break. There's no shortage of carts if you want a churro or or merchandise or anything is all right there. So that's a really great place. 
So with that, I think we covered Tomorrowland in great detail. I absolutely love Tomorrowland. It really has a lot of signature and fun things to do there. It's got Star Wars. It's got classic rides like Space Mountain. It's got kid-friendly rides like Nemo and Autopia, the monorail, family-friendly, the train station, lots of places to eat. Lots of fun around every corner. Entertainment there at the Galactic Girl stage. Don't forget to stop there and see what's going on. Oh, and I should say the Stormtroopers will march by there as well. Again, I'm not sure how long they'll be doing that just because of Galaxy's Edge. But, you know, Tomorrowland still has a lot of special Star Wars things there. So I do think that you might get the best of both worlds. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I know it was a long one. It was packed full of a lot of information. If ever you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me, Michelle at DisneylandDevoted.com. And that's Michelle spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at DisneylandDevoted.com. Don't forget my Instagram, my Patreon page, and my Facebook. And um, I hope that you're all staying safe and healthy in this crazy time. I wish you all a very successful and entertaining and happy week. And until next time, bye.